Welcome to Talking Gardens with me, Stephanie Mahan. Great Dixter is one of the great gardens of the world, famous as the home of Christopher Lloyd and, since his death, the charitable trust run by head gardener Fergus Garrett. I went to Dixter and settled down for a chat in the solar room with Fergus to find out what he would have in his dream garden. Fergus, your fantasy garden, what would you like to start with? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Maybe the setting, if you could have your fantasy garden anywhere in the world or inspired by any landscape in the world, where do you think you'd choose? Well, it's interesting question because my fantasy garden would be Dixter. It's, I mean, we sort of live in this fantasy world here, which is we make it happen. But, you know, you're always, I mean, I'm always struck by wild landscapes. You know, I love whether it's the, the salt mountains of Iran or, or a massive uh, lump of rock in Anatolia uh, or whether it's sand dunes, you know, seeing how plants grow in the wild has been the main inspiration. And so I think if I were to create a fantasy garden, I'd have all of those elements, you know, those sort of very stressed elements of of rocky, craggy outcrops that you could tuck little plants in or dunes that are being sort of, that are moving in the wind. And so the plants that are sort of halophytic or, or you know, it, have got structures to be able to cope with that sort of ecosystem, you know, and that sort of, those sort of communities really fascinate me. And of course, there's there has to be an element of sort of artistry to it. It's not just the call of the wild. And so a place where you could just be free and creative and play around with colours and and express yourself, you know, your inner self through the garden and through plants is also very, very important. Yes. And is there anywhere left in the world that you still want to visit to see those kind of wild landscapes? Oh, you know, I haven't travelled enough, but anywhere you go and everywhere you go is interesting. You know, a roadside verge is interesting. You know, walking along a ditch is interesting. What grows in a out of type one, you know, substrate in a car park is interesting. You know, so I just find all of that fascinating. I haven't been to the Burren. I'd love to see that. In I, Ireland. I, yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that I, I'd like to see more of my homeland, Turkey, you know, to go to the mountains a bit more there and see Anatolia. And and and, I mean, it's got such a diverse flora, and and in terms of geology and geography, it's diverse as well. So it's it's extraordinary. So every you know, stop the car and get out and just have a look. It's it's full of amazing plants. I think just just Istanbul itself has got over two thousand five hundred species, which is near enough what the United Kingdom has, you know, and sort of five hundred different verbascums and and uh, maybe eight hundred subspecies of verbascum, etc. etc. In, in, in fact there's a there's an interesting group of people at the Nizayid Gökü Botanic Garden that are that are writing the flora of Turkey, which is going to come down to thirty eight volumes. So I mean I'd like to see all of those plants, whether they grow in salt marshes or on a bit of tarmac. It's it's fascinating for me. When you go back to Turkey, do you find there's a, there's a particularly special connection there to that landscape? Or is it something that you're sort of searching for when you go there? Yeah, I, I, I was born here. I was born in Brighton. Mm. And so that's a big part of me. But I, I, my formative years were in Istanbul. So I, I love the city and I love the country and I love the people who work in the fields and, and, and all those sort of extraordinary botanists that are working in various research st- stations throughout the country, whether they're collecting geophytes or, you know, there's this amazing woman called Meral Aslai who spent the last 
25, 30 years of a working life just specializing in fritillaries up in the mountains in eastern Turkey, you know. They're really special people. So I just like to tag along and you know be their friend and see what they're doing and get inspiration from them. You know, it's just, uh, and it's never a thing of sort of, oh, I must have that. I don't get that feeling at all. It's just sort of reveling in the, in this extraordinary beauty and the sort of natural beauty that a country like that has. And and not just that country, you know, any of those sort of Middle Eastern countries. Uh, Iran would be fascinating to go to, wouldn't it? And, and, and the Hindu Kush and Central Asia, all of those places sort of pull me a bit. So possibly your fantasy garden would be a gateway to all of these fabulous places around the world, all of the wild landscapes that you haven't yet seen or that you want to re-experience. Now that's a thought, isn't it? Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> like a magic door. Yeah, that would be perfect. And Dixter would be one of those because yes. of the history and the emotional attachment to this place. I mean, you've been here quite a long time and I wondered, is there one element in particular that you would want to, you would have to have uh, from Dixter in your fantasy garden? Uh, would it be uh, one of the rooms or maybe one of the planting areas? It would be the spirit. Yeah. I think of, of the spirit of giving, uh, of education, of intrigue, observation, of just experimentation, you know, the inquisitivity of the place, you know, that's, that's, that's what makes it special. You know, it's, it's, and of course it's got a magnificent building and magnificent hedges and topiary and outbuildings and so on and so on and York stone pavement. But actually that's, that's not the magic of Dixter. The magic is the spirit of the place, of that ability to look at things fresh and, and, um, and embrace nature as well along, alongside it. And yeah, so that I, I take the spirit of the place. Yeah. And if you had to choose a designer to design your fantasy garden or a head gardener that you would like to have, if you were going to have a gardener, somebody that you would have working with you or sharing the garden with you, your dream garden, who who might that be? Well, I, I, th I think there are many people who I'd like to share, you know, your sort of emotions and the space with, you know, other than family and loved ones like, like that. There'd be, it, it's, you know, a Christo, Christopher Lloyd was extraordinary as as a working companion, as a as best friend, you know, father figure, grandfather figure, all of those things, you know, and and and, and very often he was misunderstood as a person because he, he sort of came over as being rather curmudgeonly and and he was a sort of very kind, giving person, uh, big brain, very creative great sense of fun and then he would make you stop and just observe and look at things and and I'm not so good at that and and so I think he would I'd love to have him by my side because I suppose he still is by my side and in the same way that I was always by his side and and so he really brought out the sort of the fun in a place and the fun in a planting. So he would be important. But then there are sort of people that I sort of really get a kick out of. Dan Pearson is, is somebody that I really, really enjoy having those deep conversations about plants and communities and management of plants. You know, I, I always, always am stimulated when I, when I see him or I'll visit somewhere. And it, we may just spend an hour and a half, two hours just sitting in one place, just talking about meadows, for instance. You know, that's, then there are, other people. There was an extraordinary farmer on the marsh called Derek Boddy, uh, who grew 
daily is predominantly, but I loved his garden because there was there's no, no sort of thought of design in any way, but it was just just knockout colour, and everything was staked with a split chestnut pole with a bit of baling twine around it, and it was just overflowing with. And he just went from one plant to another, just enjoying that. You know, he had plenty of cow mark. He didn't really train. He was a farmer, so his wife did the gardening, and and so he, after his wife passed away, he taught himself how to cook and do all of those other things. That, that his wife did and you know he's in his 90s this this man and so and got, he took up gardening and he was just an extraordinary grower of plants you know took cuttings had this little little tiny little glass house that was four foot four foot by three foot you know and and work magic with it you know there's no irrigation there at all he used to pull up water from a well and I always you know I, I sort of had like an element of him in in the garden you know that element of baling twine if you like or you know, split chestnut and the botanist that I that I talked about Meral Aslai who specialized in fritillaries well she represents a whole gang of people out there that are specializing in plants who've got that extraordinary knowledge on individual plants and and I'm always a great fan of the work that they're doing so and they dedicate their life to research so i think all of those those extraordinary plant people out there that are doing amazing work you know i'd like an element of 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 them and look i'm really lucky in in that i've i've got and have had wonderful students at Dixter that have that have come and gone from all over the world whether they're from from Japan or from the United States or Canada or France or Germany you know and 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 turkey and they give us the place a certain energy. They give you a certain energy. You know, they want to learn. They're hungry for it. They question your decisions. They have their own creativity. They bring new things to the table. And and you can't underestimate how stimulating that is for for you know somebody who's been in a place for thirty years and and perhaps been in a place too long. You know, um, but those people keep you fresh, and that that along with an extraordinary team of you know of of people you know whether it's Coralie who's my assistant head gardener or Lewis who's the who runs the estate team and and whether it's Michael or Ben and they're all different characters and but they really focus and they really care about their work and so I think I like working with anybody who really loves working and loves their job and loves to, wants to wants to sort of achieve some something so I'm very fortunate in having a team like that around me because every moment is stimulating you know every moment is 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 a um, a, a fantasy world where you think come up with an idea and say, well, let's do it. And this is Dixter, isn't it? Because you can do it. You know, there's no sort of, there's nobody saying, no, 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 you can't change this because we can, we can do it as long as it's done for the right, right reason. So we're constantly imagining new things and going in different directions and pulling back and going in another direction, you know, creating and recreating and experimenting and learning from that. And, and all those moments are really, really, really stimulating. I think also I would like, an element of Pearl Fryer in this equation, because Pearl Fryer, um, who's got a garden in South Carolina, I think I think it is, and and I've I've been very fortunate to to meet him a few times, and and he when he spoke about his garden, and I was on the same sort of speaking tour with 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 him, and and he tended his yard, you know, just to prove a point, and and he 
eclipse <laughs> everything into these sort of free form shapes that that are you know that extraordinary you know massive bits of topiary and he's he's forever I mean, he must be on a hedge cutter 365 days a year he even clips the little garden outside the waffle house where he has his his his, his breakfast every every morning and and i think you when you go into his garden you you go into a completely different world and so not only that that sort of being transported to a different world but also that the character you know seeing a place through his eyes seeing a plant through his eyes i think a lot of the plants were throw out plants that he collected and just just clipped and and so and it, sort of creating that odd world is is quite a fantasy in the same way that charlotte molesworth does it just down the road from here she's sort of clipping all these shapes left right and center and it it, it makes a garden unusual so you know so and I, there are many people i haven't mentioned whether it's paniotti keliadis who grows wonderful alpines in denver colorado or or you know ardil gunnar who specializes in all sorts of wild plants in 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 istanbul you know all these people will be a part so it's not just one person other than christo it's, it's all these people coming together that, that will add something to your world you can't resist can you i say can we have like one person and you give me a whole community a party an enormous team that even in your fantasy garden you would have to be surrounded by people it's because it, it is because it is a community yeah. you know we all learn from each other you know it's not just one person leading it it's just that everybody has a part to play you know and so it's just just people you know i think just just people who love plants and gardening is important yeah i mean people make a garden for you and and can you imagine that you would have visitors come to this fantasy garden is that part of the equation as well or perhaps when it comes to your dream garden you think oh Maybe I'll just have it for me. No, I, I think I, you'd, I'd want visitors to come in. And it, there'd be a balance because I think solitude is quite important as well. And that ability to, to, to have focused work where you're not being interrupted is very important for these places. But then to share it with, with people, all sorts of pe people is really fascinating. I mean, and some, some, of the, some of the visitors I get the greatest kick out, out of in, in this place are people who've never been here before, don't really know much about gardens, but really see it and sense it and feel it and get it. And, and, and you know, whether they're standing in front of a, of a, a thousand common spotted orchids or they're sort of seeing the glory of a, a massive giant decorative dahlia you know that, that you you feel that energy coming back into you so i think people are really important to to come in and see it well we've we've spoken about the fact that your fantasy garden would have the spirit of dixter would have this enormous community of people drawn from all of the different reaches of horticulture and from dixter's past and present if you had to think about some other design elements or features that you would have to have in your fantasy garden, perhaps some water or a particular planting or pergola or gate that you've seen from your visits to other gardens, is there anything that springs to mind that you would think, oh, I remember seeing that and I would really love to include that in my dream garden? I think it would have to be a massive lump of rock with cracks and crevices in it and and maybe an adder or two you know so sort of add that sort of <laughs> that element of danger but i i i i've always been fascinated by rock you know and uh, rock itself as well as the plants that grow on grow on it so and we haven't got that sort of place it, 
Dexter, so I crave for it. And and really good friends in in the states, Ian and Madeline Hooper, who bought this house, lovely house, and outside the house is this the, the most enormous rockery, and it must be about thirty feet tall and about seventy feet wide, and maybe and and about eighty feet long. And just to get up on there and see things self sewing in those cracks. Um, is just, you know, you feel as though you've gone away to another world. And so, so I think I'd love that element. And I don't do much of that sort of rock gardening. And I'm always fascinated by, by it. I mean, it doesn't need to be any sort of rock. Tufa would be nice. You know, those sort of, t- those giant Tufa dams in Egypt, in Ethiopia and places like that. Or it could be just, you know, limestone, another bit of limestone, you know, like the burren. Yeah. And, and, and seeing those plants making their way gradually colonizing areas coming and going you know that that's something that you watch over years and years and years you know and that that the whole thing becomes a part of your family so fergus if you had to choose another element for your dream garden something that you would just have to have maybe a feeling or an element or feature is there anything else that you would have to include in your fantasy garden i th- I, th- I think um I'd like to have a meadow so I can hear it and see it and and see you know watch the plants come and go in it that's that's always that adds another dimension to a garden and I think it also a, a space rather like the exotic or the subtropical garden or tropical garden whatever you want to call it at Dixter you know a space like that that's that's um, a room on its own where you can just just absolutely play with the feeling within it you know it could be you know full of conifers of all sorts. It could be full of cacti and succulents, or it could be full of dahlias and cannas and bananas, as we had it in Christo's time. Or it could be like, and I'm just really enjoying what it's like now, where it's just a green space that wraps around you. You you going through a, a building, um, through an opening in a building, and, and then you're immersed in, in foliage, big foliage. You look up at the sky, there's elements of blue sky showing, but, it, but it's all of that is silhouetted with leaves, whether they're around those are tetrapanaks and so on and and so you have to brush past vegetation so it becomes a sort of a physical experience as well as a visual one within there and and you know and and the physical experience is something that we don't always have within a garden so that's why we planted close to the path so people have to drag themselves through vegetation and also like like the fact that you could go from a colombian jungle you know with all those exotic plants to something that's slightly Jurassic and and that that sort of has got elements of of Tasmania by just putting a few plants. They're not Tasmanian plants and I've never been to Tasmania, but just by putting conifers in there, you've changed the whole feel of the place. And so and um and then within me I'm thinking, well, where do I take it next? Do I do I take out all the bold foliage and just have it with just tiny little leaves and and craggy structures and and just showing a lot of bones of plants and, and have light filtering through to bring another experience in? You know, that would be difficult to do. So so having a space where you can just experiment and and push yourself and be creative and and um, it's very important. I used to have a tiny little garden in Hastings, and I used to change it every year. You know, it'd be dahlias one year, it'd be pelagoniums another year, it'd be foliage another year. And one year I, I closed it up so much the postman would never deliver the post through the front door and just leave it at the back <laughs> back door. And and so, you know, a playing space, which I suppose the whole of Dixter is a playing space, but but just one some, somewhere where it's really absolutely concentrated would be important. 
Yeah, that sense of experiment is very important to you, that constant sort of creativity and advancing things onto the next thing, the next level. Yes, it, it is. Also important to me, actually, is, is, is I mean, quirkiness is, a, is a, an odd word, but those, those sort of people out who are out there that are, that are so very much driven by their own, by their own focus and, and what they want to do, whether it's just one plant. You know, I have a friend in, in, in Detroit who um, it's a couple, wonderful couple who run a magazine out, out there called the Michigan Gardener, and, and he, so he took me around his garden, his sort of his collection of conifers, and it was just one conifer after another conifer. They're all tiny, young plants. They're only six inches tall, but we went from one plant after another after another. Some of them had been shot out of trees as sort of, they'd been sort of mutants that had been sort of propagated from trees and and some of them hadn't been named at all. But it, I just found that fascinating. We were there for about three hours looking at the, the, these things. And so I pull energy from those from those people that are just so focused. And then, you know, there are those people who are so extremely creative. Derek Jarman was so extremely creative. What he did at Prospect Cottage with, with Keith was extraordinary. And that was that was in, in, in his, then when I first saw it, it was the most extraordinary bit of garden that I'd seen. The only garden that rivaled that was Marsha Donahue's garden on the west coast of the United States. And and Nancy Goldman or Lucy Hardiman and in, in, in Portland, Oregon, do the same sort of thing where they bring artistry into the garden. So it's not just about plants, but it's actually art and gardening. Well, gardening is a form of art, isn't it? But sort of art and gardening mix so closely to, together. And, and so uh, the whole thing becomes this collage of, of things from, with living plants a part of that. So um, those, those people fascinate me as, as well. And do you think in some way that you might share their single-minded focus, it, just that yours isn't about necessarily individual plants, but about that constant drive to create and, and keep on experimenting at Dixter? Well, it's slightly more complicated at Dixter because you, you, you know, you have play a big part in education. So you can't be selfish in, in that. You can't just go forward and do just your own thing you it's about bringing other people along in that journey so that that's really quite important we're, we're a we're a charity so we've got sort of responsibilities as a charity to do the right thing for all the the kids out there that are going to be the head gardeners of the future that's that's one thing the other the other thing is that that there's a sort of historical context and the context that you're open to the public as as, as well so that that's sort of in some ways and I think less so in Dixter than anywhere else in the world, but in some ways waters down your eccentricity and, the, and what you would want to, to, to create here. But that still comes out at Dixter, and I think it would come out at Dixter more than any other public garden in the, in the world. And are there any non-human residents that you would have to have in your dream garden? Well, I, I you know, I think um, looking at all the, the places that have been audited for biodiversity in the United Kingdom, you know, including nature reserves and the sites of special scientific interest. Dixter sits number 26 on that list. So it's an extremely rich and biodiverse place. And and that's one of the fascinating things that's happened in the last few years, where our eyes have been opened to all the all the all the creatures that we share this garden with. So it's not, and you know, because beforehand you just thought about butterflies and great crested newts and badgers, and and you'd see the occasional spider. But the, you know, there's just just 
from lichens to all those flies to all those sort of solitary bees and mining bees and so on they they've they've become a part of our world now you know and 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 since doing doing our audit we're looking at every little hole and crevice every little creature and and it feels really really good to to actually be sharing the place with a wealth of wildlife but still garden it in a in a creative artistic way so it's not you know we're not creating the countryside we're we're still playing with plants but we're extremely extremely rich and we've got cats and we've got you know um, various team members have got dogs and so on and so on. you know it's just all, all those creatures together add up to something but I, I, I love personally I, I love just hearing the life that comes out of a meadow I put my phone in, into a meadow once and and it was rather like the dawn chorus when you listen to the dawn chorus there's layers of of noise coming out of that you know some distant some closer some repeating more than others and and that was the same in a meadow with that that sort of microcosm of life that exists in there so it's good to be a part of that so what else would be included in your dream garden fergus well, you you enter Dixter and it's a sort of marvelous world. But actually, the sort of the the, the the car parks, those sort of little bits outside of it, I I I've always wanted to to develop, you know, and and probably in a totally impractical way. But wouldn't it be nice if you sort of entered through the gate and the whole place is dripping with cow parsley, and then there are sort of cows roaming through the car parks, and so and you've got sort of broken branches and it's almost like a rewilded landscape isn't it really but then so you park your cars amongst the cow pats and you've got cows setting off the alarms and those sort of things so I'd, I'd like to sort of enclose it a bit more with this sort of this magic kingdom of countryside and life and make it dripping with with sort of blossoms and hedges that are overflowing and all those sort of farm animals that can roam through somewhere like this and not not you know sometimes they'd come into the garden and that would be a nightmare but actually sort of but because car parks can be sterile places and those bits around the perimeter of a garden can be sterile places but you could sort of add life to it and that and i would love to be able to achieve that here in a practical way that makes it work for the visitors as well it's so funny because we're talking about your dream garden and yet it keeps coming back to Dixter and the reality of this place that actually exists. It seems like you you can't get away from it. Do you, do you think you'll always be here? Oh, I I think it. You know, I, I'm always worried about Dixter is so much bigger than that sort of one person who's gardened it for all those all those years. And I I always sort of look at myself and I I think, well, am I doing the right thing for it? Am I am I taking it forward in the in the in the in the right way? You know, which I you know and have I am I putting enough energy into it? I mean you put all your energy into it. So but a time comes when actually it's time for somebody else to take it on and put a different energy in into it and and to to give it their own life whilst respecting the life it's had in the in in the past. You know so I've been here 30 years now and and I've still got things to offer, but the time will come when I think other people may be able to offer it more than I can and then it's time to step aside and let somebody else do it and give it the energy that the place deserves. I mean, it's the most challenging situation in garden making today, I think, to have a historic or well-known garden that's so associated with one person as the creator. And then when they go... What happens to it? I mean, you've been very successful here in making a trust and in being able to continue, as you say, the charitable work and education. 
But that's quite an unusual situation. An awful lot of other gardens in a similar sort of situation have have possibly been given to the National Trust or to Perennial or are still seeking that that legacy. What do you think made the difference here in terms of being able to push through and, and find a way to, to make it work and to continue Christo's legacy and, and the story of Great Dexter? Well, Christo was an extraordinary person uh, and he gathered amazing people around him, like the, the trustees who sort of look after this place. And so Christo and I set up the trust, you know, before he before he died. And and so that it's sort of that investment in 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 people that he he, he put in. So uh, and those people have remained loyal to him and to the to the sort of spirit of, of place. And that's why we've never ever let education go in this place. We've put all our efforts into breeding the, the next generation of, of gardeners that that are not just focused on plants, but are focused on spirit of place, focused on biodiversity, all of those things. And and what will happen is that those people will land in gardens and and drive them forward as long as they've got the backing of the owners or the boards that 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 look after those gardens. So so I think investing in people taking that time really really investing in people not just doing it as a tick box exercise but just just giving your life over to to um to education educating these people um makes all the difference because if you look at my position now at dexter there are probably four or five people out there that could do my job and they're all ex-students that could come in. If I got hit by a bus tomorrow, that could come in and take over from me and run the garden in, in, in the same way, in, but in a different way, but with positivity and with creativity and, and because they understand the spirit of Dixter. And that's, I think that's really good investment for the future. So it's almost if you're doing your job properly and if you're successful, it's eradicating yourself. It's making sure that there's somebody else who, who can take over from you. Yeah, that's, that's vital. And we, we've spoken about the things that you would love to have in your dream garden. But if you have to choose something that you would throw on the garden fire, or on the compost heap that you would bar the garden gate from, what would you definitely not have in your dream garden? Snobbery, um, negativity, uh, no can do attitude, all those things. All those things, you know, I think um, there, there was always an element where people would go around gardens and say, oh, you know, they're not doing that right. It's not the right colours together. It's not, you know, this looks shocking. It's, you know, these are people's gardens, their own creation. And colour is, is, Christo used to get that all the, all the time. He used to get complaint letters about putting yellow and 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 red together, all those primary colours together and, and, and so on, you know. So... I think, and it's funny because you don't do that with so much with with artists who are painting. You don't say, oh, I wouldn't put orange there because it's not going to look good on a painting. Well, you seem to do that in, in, in gardens. You know, people seem to do that in gardens. So so I hate that sort of element. You know, I, I, I like gardens, whether it's, they're small or large or... or, or um, I've got a design element or a not, not a design element within it if they're just sort of mashed together as long as the person behind it is really passionate about that about that space so and so I think I'd, any sort of sort of garden snobbery would would be the first thing I'd throw out the window 
So, Fergus, you've told us that your dream garden would have the spirit of Dixter. It would be filled with a huge community of people drawn from all over the place who have a positive attitude, no snobbery negativity allowed. And there would be a place for experimentation with a doorway into a whole world of wild landscapes that you could decide, hmm, I want to go to Turkey and open the door and you would be there. Or you could go straight back to Dixter at any time that you wanted. It sounds like a fantastic place. But if you had to pick just three more small things that you really need to have in a garden, what last three things would you make sure that you would include in your own dream fantasy garden? Good noise, you know, noise of birds and, you know, that sort of, that, that's the element that you get early in the morning before everybody's up, you know. Um, wonderful smells would be uh, a part of it. And strong and significant elements of the weather although we're you know we're i'm anti-wind sometimes and i'm anti-hail and snow but i think that that makes your gardening year so exciting to be you know be out in a gale you know or, or to come when there's two foot of snow not that it happens very often these days as well as that i think i've got recently had a real kick out of one of our students it was a christopher lois scholar actually he used to be a a, a cocktail waiter and he's really good with cocktails so I quite really enjoyed having him on, on board because he's been just making creatively just making the most extraordinary drinks for everybody to have a sort of evening meals and parties and and I think I would have that element of of partying of 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 sharing food and drink and conversation in the evening you know sharing it not just coming in for work doing it locking it up at five o'clock or six o'clock whenever and then going going off that's it you don't you don't visit again the next day and one of the sort of the, the finest moments I had in this place is when I used to seed sow at, at night and I haven't done that for a number of years since having family but I used to sort of go home and have something to eat come back about seven eight o'clock light a fire down in the nursery put the radio on and, and have a drink and but seed sow you know for hours and hours and sometimes the students used to come down as well and sit with me as well and I always used to get annoyed with that about that because it used to sort of distract me and and um, but they they were really special moments so 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 that's that time outside of working hours where you share the place really so time really really important time not just to garden but time to enjoy it that was fergus garrett head gardener of great dixter house and gardens in east sussex thank you for listening to talking gardens brought to you by the team behind gardens illustrated magazine For more garden inspiration, plant talk and expert insights, go to gardensillustrated.com. Until next time.